Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Here's what's coming up on this edition. Kathy Collard Miller was a mother with a problem, intense anger toward her child. Her attitude had definitely declined, but she experienced the power of God in her life, resulting in a complete turnaround. You'll be hearing from a conversation with her at the 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Karen Schatzlein had a problem too, the diagnosis of leukemia. Her husband, Pat, realized the fear that he had in his own heart and mind. Karen discovered God's healing and Pat found a way out of the fear that had held him captive. They've written about their journey in a book, Learn More Ahead. Then, back to the 2019 Christian Product Expo International event in Tennessee with some transparent words from author Lori Henson, who has engaged in a battle with her alter ego super gal. Find out how to fight and win in the Lord coming up. And on this edition of The Intersection, in light of recent presidential debates that have been conducted, Lathan Watts of First Liberty calls for the candidates to consider matters of religious freedom, which is an important cornerstone of the Constitution. Finally, there was a major court victory on behalf of healthcare professionals in the area of conscience protection, protecting them from being forced to take part in activities that they find objectionable, such as abortion or gender transition surgery. The new CEO of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations, Michael Chupp, brings insight into the ruling. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Kathy Collard Miller is the author of a number of books, including the Daughters of the King Bible Study Series, the most recent installment of which is called Heart Wisdom. In a recent conversation at the 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, she shared about God's work in her life, including how she dealt with her anger problem. She discusses that in her book, No More Anger, Hope for an Out-of-Control Mom. Here now from that conversation at CPE International is Kathy Collard Miller. I overcame my anger in God's power through many ways, through reading books about parenting, through reading books about disciplining children effectively, through sharing with my uh, Bible study group so that they would pray for me and hold me accountable. So little by little, the Lord revealed tools and uh, But the final thing that contributed, especially in our marriage, was when God told me to think in my mind, I love you, as I looked to Larry. Mm. And I resisted that. I didn't want to do it. But when I did, it began the process of healing our marriage because I released my unreal experience unrealistic expectations that Larry was supposed to be who I thought he should be and I could control him. Okay, so was the the anger, which apparently it was around before you and Larry got married, I would imagine. So you had this anger problem. So was the anger driving all of these negative feelings toward Larry or was that feeding into the anger and making it stronger? Or was it kind of a combination of both that the the anger and the negative, the other negative emotions were actually just playing off of each other and causing all sorts of chaos? 
Well, since life is so complex, it was a combination, as you said. Yeah. It was a combination of anger all the way from childhood, where I hit my best friend Irene right in the nose in third grade. I mean, looking back, I can see those anger tendencies. And then I went into marriage thinking that Larry was my Prince Charming. My unrealistic expectations got a hold of me then. And so when he decided, well, I'm married, who has to invest in the relationship? Then I felt left behind all the anger I had before, piled up. And then, of course, this little girl comes along, and she's not doing everything I expect. And so it's a big conglomeration Hmm. of a lot of things that are very complex and complicated. All right, Kathy, let's let's narrow it down now with respect to not, I guess, to the here and now for someone that is having an anger struggle, maybe not to the extent that you had, but again, sinful anger, whether it's no matter what the magnitude, it's still sinful. (laughs) So someone in the here and now is experiencing that either just outright allowing it to control them. Maybe they're acting on those tendencies periodically. Maybe they just feel angry all the time, whatever the degree. So what could you narrow it down maybe to one of the tools that you found to be most effective with respect to dealing with your own anger? Thank you, Bob. I would love to, because one key thing that I did, which was very practical, is to take and write Bible verses about anger on uh, post-it or cards, and I put them in significant places in my home. And so when I would take our daughter into the bathroom for her spanking, which I learned to do in control, I learned to do it without anger, I did it peacefully and restorative, and so there was Proverbs 15.1 that says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife. And so then I would have a different Bible verse on my mirror as uh, so that I could meditate on that when I put my makeup on in the morning. And I would have a different verse that was right in front of me as I did the dishes And it encouraged me to think rightly. And then along with that was believing God has not forsaken me. He has not given up on me. And even if I fall back into sin, he knows the plan. He's not discouraged. He's not thinking, oh, no, how am I going to deal with this? He still loves me and he still loves the listener who is listening to you right now, Bob, and thinking, but but God has given up on me. He has not. Kathy Collard-Miller here on The Intersection. Find out more by going to the website, Kathy with a K, collardmiller.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Pat and Karen Schatzlein, co-founders of Remnant Ministries International. In a recent conversation, they discussed the book they wrote together called Restore the Roar, Defeat the Spirit of Fear with the Breath and Power of God. From that conversation, here are Pat and Karen Schatzlein. When we wrote the book, we, you know, we, we mentioned the cancer story in there and how God did the miracle, the cancer miracle. But we, it, it brought to surface the fact that I had never confronted fear in our own lives. So we wrote a chapter. One of the chapters was when, you know, when the shadow looms. And 
I began to realize we really began, we hit, we, you know, even though we we're traveling the world, we hit, and we, we even wrote a chapter on that fear will drive you into hiding, but that's when God does the greatest work inside of you. And so during that time, you know, the lion roars for five different reasons. It roars to declare its territory. It roars to uh, let lions know where it's at. It roars when it's hungry. It roars in the morning and the evening. And I didn't realize it, but just like when you light the altar, but I began to go after God in the morning and the evening. And I found out if you go after God in the morning and the evening, he'll meet you in the middle of your day. And every time we would get a report, I would come home and I wrote about it in the book and I would say, devil, you're a liar. You can't have my family. You can't have my sweetheart. And after that victory, after we stood there, I'll never forget, we went to do a Facebook live and I was going to do it in front of the oncologist office. And I started crying and couldn't speak. I had to have Karen the phone and, you know, and thousands saw it. But what I found out was that the daughter of fear is lethargy. And after you come out on the other side of it, many times lethargy tries to take you out. It's a terrorist as well. You just kind of become a zombie, a numb. And that's why when the Lord spoke to me after it was all over with, and I'm in a hotel room early in the morning, and he said, where did your roar go? And all of a sudden, I'm laying there, and I said, Lord, I don't have a roar. I'm exhausted. And God said, fear has robbed you of your roar. That's why we call it Restore the Roar. Take back your voice because I want to get to heaven with nothing left to do. I want to live somewhere between amen and there it is. And Karen even shares in the book an incredible um, formula of how to defeat fear that really helped us get it through. It was powerful. It's in the book, but it's powerful. It's what got us through that season. What have you found to be some principles based on God's word that can enable believers to walk in triumph over fear? Absolutely. You know, I, I'll never forget one morning, you know, I woke up and it was during the worst parts of that diagnosis. And I was still feeling the, the effects of that. I still had symptoms, but I was believing for healing. And I woke up one morning and I went into my prayer time and I said, God, you know, I know that you haven't given me fear, but I'm afraid. And I was in a really bad place because I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And all of a sudden, God took me to a scripture in 2 Timothy 1.7. And we've all heard this scripture in children's church and everything. It just says, simply, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I read that scripture and I said, I get it, God, but I'm afraid. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, why don't you look what I did give you instead of fear? I didn't give you fear, but I gave you some weapons to destroy the enemy and destroy fear. Because it says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but I gave you power, love, and a sound mind. And there's a reason why God said that scripture. He didn't give us fear, but he gave us power, love, and a sound mind. Because that word power, of course, is dunamis, and it means dynamite. But in essence, it's the ability to change the atmosphere, to change what the enemy is trying to tell you is real, and realize that God has something more. But he gave us love. Because perfect love casts out fear. And 1 Corinthians 13 tells us it's the characteristics of God. It's patient. It's or kind. It's not proud. It forgives. It rejoices in truth. Always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. And always perseveres. But it also gives that he gave us a sound mind, which is what most of us need. And for the people listening, that's what people need is a sound mind. And that word literally means a mind that has been 
salvaged, revived, protected, brought into a place of safety and security. So it's no longer affected by illogical, unfounded and absurd thoughts. God gave us the ability to change the atmosphere, to always hope, always trust, always protect, always persevere, and to know the difference between the lies of the enemy and the truth of his love and his power and his grace. And that is what got us through some of the most difficult times during that season. Pat and Karen Schatzline here on The Intersection. You can find out more through the website Schatzline Books, and their last name is spelled S-C-H-A-T-Z-L-I-N-E, schatzlinebooks.com. Next on this edition of The Intersection Podcast from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2019 CPE International Event in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Laurie Henson shared about elements related to her book, Super Gal vs. God, which is now in its second edition. Here now from that conversation is Laurie Henson. She has written a book called Super Gal vs. God, and it says, Laurie, that it's based on on a true story. Yes. Ma'am. And I, I asked you earlier if that you know, if that was an autobiographical story and you seem to actually imply that it might might could be. Sadly that, okay, now the, here's the truth. We're getting to the <laughs> Sadly, sadly, it is true. I will fess up that that is my story. But what do you think my chances were in that battle? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do so well in the end of that. Um, I did. Actually, I did great at the end of that battle. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, you are described as a recovering super gal-aholic. Yes. An author, speaker, Bible teacher, and you also sing. I do sing. Wow. Yes, I do. Multi-talented. Yeah, I do. Too many things, <laughs> <laughs> which is hence the recovering super gal. There you go. So you've got the super gal versus God book. That's your most recent. But the the super gal saga has been going on for a while, if I'm not mistaken. It actually has. Actually, there. this is the second edition okay. of that book. And from that story, I do, uh, my ministry became the super gal syndrome. Okay. So w- we talk about all things super gal and write about it and blog about it and, and things like that. So is super gal, is that, let, me see, let me make the correct social media description here. Is super gal, is it like a doppelganger? Is it some sort of meme here? Is it like somebody else who could actually be you? Are you writing fiction? based on your own experience so who is who, now, let, let me who t- is super gal super gal super is gal. my alter ego okay and let me correct that was my alter ego i am recovering it's your, yeah it's your ego from a parallel universe yes yes <laughs> actually a super gal describes um me and any other woman who has that superhero complex i call okay. it okay so you know that she's the woman that feels that she needs to do everything herself, that she's got to control everything and everybody, that she's got to run everything because we're afraid. I didn't have a relationship with Christ, and so I had myself to depend on. And and that is the um, beginning, the genesis of the problem, where if you're depending on yourself to be your own savior... That You're in trouble. Sound, yeah, that doesn't yeah. sound so good. So here you are, if I can 
kind of say what you said back to you in a sort of different way, only different. But you're you're basically saying that you didn't know Christ. You you really wanted to be someone in control of your own destiny and control your life and probably those around you to a certain Absolutely, extent. Absolutely, those the around world. me. And yeah. at some point, Christ came into your life, rocked your world, and things had to be different, but that, that can be a struggle. It was, a, that, lo- it is, was a long struggle, is Bob. That, is that kind of accurate, semi-accurate? It is part? accurate. And, you know, Supergal can have a lot of different faces. She can look insecure. In, in a nutshell, she's the woman who the world tells her she's not enough. Okay. We always want to be enough mm-hmm. and we don't feel that we've ever reached that so we we try harder we race we strive we struggle for that approval yeah so that's a that's an interesting word there enough and we we hear that i've heard it out of a, a number of speakers i think there's a a public service announcement or something that's around there where the the young lady is telling herself i am enough yes an- so, so from your standpoint, enough for, enough for what? What are, what are people really striving to be enough of? Well, I guess in, you know, the, the viewpoint that I had was that the world, for instance, told me that being dependent upon someone else and particularly upon God was not a good thing. Yeah. You know, I was a child of the 60s and we were told that we were to be independent and pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and and do all of those things that the world is telling us to do but God's not saying anything of the kind. So we're taking we're taking our identity from the world and how they describe us and we're trying to live up to that. Mm. Lori Henson here on The Intersection from CPE International. You can find out more by going to the website, Lori, L-O-R-I, Henson, H-Y-N-S-O-N, dot com. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through the website, meetinghouseonline.info, or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You will find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the podcast. The intersection is available through the Media Center as well as through iTunes and through the Meeting House homepage. You'll find links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content, including recently added content from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the CPE International event in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app. Learn more about downloading it for your smartphone or tablet by visiting our website at faithradio.org. Also, when you go to the Meeting House homepage, you can find out about other podcast platforms through which you can access conversations from the Meeting House program. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Lathan Watts is Director of Legal Communications for First Liberty Institute. In a recent conversation, he shared about how religious liberty ideally should be an important issue in the 2020 presidential campaign. With some comments, here now is Lathan Watts. At uh, uh, one of the town halls on uh, CNN, uh, Beto O'Rourke was asked, 
if he thought uh, churches and Christian schools and faith-based nonprofits profits and the like should lose their tax exempt status for not supporting gay marriage. And he answered absolutely yes and said it would make he would make it a priority. Um, you know, that's um, that's a policy that is blatant would be blatantly unconstitutional. It's one that at First Liberty Institute we have um, fought uh, cases like that in the past, all the way back in I believe two thousand nine, we had to defend some churches and pastors who had expressed their support for then-Texas Governor Rick Perry when he um, made a statement regarding uh, marriage, and they got uh, some nasty grams from the IRS, and we were able to uh, represent them and get that resolved in their favor. So this is not our first rodeo with uh, this type of uh, weaponization of the IRS. Uh, we won back then, and, and we stand ready to win again if uh, you know a President O'Rourke administration or, frankly, any administration of either party tried to do something like this. Um, that is what we do at First Liberty Institute. We defend people's right to live according to their faith. And um, that policy would, would obviously uh, violate the First Amendment, and we would be uh, ready to, to uh, defend uh, religious liberty again if someone, uh, Beto O'Rourke or any of the other presidential candidates, uh, attempted to do that. And I think that you know the, the debates have missed the opportunity, frankly, um, to ask the other candidates if they feel the same way, if they would do the same thing. I think the voters deserve to know that, not just the voters who are watching who are going to vote in the general election, but also those who are going to vote in the Democratic primary. Um, I think there are people of faith in the Democratic Party who deserve to know whether or not their nominee thinks their religious beliefs um, should be penalized like that. Well, and and as I mentioned, these comments by Beto O'Rourke were actually made within the context of an LGBTQ town hall uh, meeting that CNN had sponsored along with the Human Rights Campaign. And there, of course, this this whole, and as it's been said, I was pointing out an article recently from, I believe it was The Federalist, talking about how, you know, basically this is a means of CNN with its partner, Human Rights Campaign, really shaping the agenda with respect to LGBTQ so-called rights. And and Lathan, I know you've seen it time and again at First Liberty, where you have a discussion of these types of rights and preserving the rights of LGBTQ individuals. It seems like it's almost an inevitable thing that it would come in conflict with deeply held religious freedom rights. Because when you look at at Christians who are feeling that they are being forced to accept something that violates their deeply held religious beliefs, then that that becomes problematic. Um, It absolutely does. And religious liberty should not be a partisan issue. This should be something that uh, people uh, varying um, faith traditions, varying political ideas across the spectrum of, of thought in America. This is, should be something that is uh, something we could all agree on. That is, that everyone has the right to live according to their deeply held beliefs, whether or not those beliefs are informed by religion or if it's just the way that um, you know a person was raised. But that's something that everyone should be able to stand up and say, uh, you know, in America, we respect people's rights to live according to uh, their deeply held beliefs. And you know, all of the cases that we're involved in defending this, um, that's exactly what, uh, what we do all across America for people of all faiths, uh, is just simply protect uh, their First Amendment right to free exercise, to freely exercise their faith, to live every day according to what they believe. 
that really shouldn't be a partisan issue, but uh, unfortunately it seems to be right now. From First Liberty Institute, Lathan Watts here on The Intersection. The First Liberty website where you can request a copy of the U.S. Constitution is at first, spell it out, firstliberty.org. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's the CEO of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations, Michael Chupp, who related information about a federal judge's ruling that protected conscience rights of healthcare professionals regarding gender transition surgery and abortion. Here now from that recent conversation is Michael Chupp. It's actually uh, in uh, what's called Section 1557, which is specifically about patient protection. It's the patient protection uh, portion of the Affordable Care Act. And in referring back to language that we're all familiar with, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and specifically language used in Title VI and Title IX of that act, uh, you know, the list that we're, used, that we're used to seeing in terms of race and religion uh, and sure. sex, and for the first time, uh, for the first time, uh, HHS in May of 2016 uh, issued a definition related not to biological sex, but for sex to mean gender identity or even termination of pregnancy. And then not only did they change that definition, but then they really overreached. And this is the reason that Dr. Stevens and our board agree that we would join in this lawsuit with the Franciscan Alliance. And the overreach was that if if a, for example, a child was referred by a mental health professional to a physician, whether a surgeon or a pediatrician, family doc, and was requesting gender transition treatment, whether hormonal for a child or surgery for an adult, that if I, and I'm a general surgeon, that's my background, if I as a general surgeon do breast surgery in my practice, then I am mandated, so we call this the transgender mandate, I am mandated to provide that service of surgery to say a 14-year-old girl who says she's a boy trapped in a girl's body and to have to offer a mastectomy. If I refuse that surgery, I would come under penalty of at least losing my Medicaid, Medicare privileges and potentially lose my license. And so that was the overreach, Bob, that happened in 2016 by HHS. And so uh, Dr. Stevens, um, uh, several states, several religious organizations sued uh, HHS in 2016 and said that this cannot, this is a, a, a violation of our first, our first freedom. Um, as but but other violations as well, Bob. It, this was goes against Hippocratic medicine. That above all else, I as a professional will do no harm uh, to my patient. If I feel there's not evidence uh, to substantiate me recommending a certain treatment surgery to my patient, then I should have the freedom as a healthcare professional to say no, no matter what any medical society says or what the government says. My relationship with my patient is I will do no harm and I will look out after their best interest. As I understand it, and, and based on your explanation there, you the um, the regulation would specifically highlight these these so-called gender transition issues, but abortion is also a part of this overall situation, correct? That's correct, because they even said that it's not only gender identity, but even termination of pregnancy, and so to refuse to do an abortion or refer for abortion would be discrimination uh, that would date back to the kind of discrimination uh, defined in the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And so we, it, 
it would be like uh, discrimination in days of segregation. That's how severe this would be taken. The punishment would be taken by the federal government. As I understand it, this case actually we went before the same. You could say like this that it went before the same judge twice. I guess you could say he issued a preliminary injunction a couple of years ago, and he issued his final ruling here just within the the past few days. Correct. On Tuesday, he issued a permanent injunction uh, against this uh, particular uh, regulation, stating that it violated the uh, Freedom of uh, uh, Religion, uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, as well as the uh, Administrative Procedure Act. He said both of those, based upon previous case law, that that it was highly unlikely back in December 2016 that this could stand. And then he he uh, substantiated that, went with a permanent injunction. Um, on Tuesday. Michael Chupp here on The Intersection. Find out more about the CMDA by going to the website cmda.org. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. Learn more at meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center marked Meeting House On Demand, where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection Podcast. You can also find The Intersection in that Media Center. It's available through iTunes as well. There's a link there on the homepage. Plus, two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content. Conversations from The Meeting House program can not only be found through the website, but through the Faith Radio app and through a variety of podcast platforms Learn more when you visit the Meeting House homepage or go to faithradio.org. The Meeting House web address is meetinghouseonline.info. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.